Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. I greet you in the precious, holy, and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. And who would we be if we did not acknowledge him in each new day? Because in each new day, he has given to us brand new mercies. And in the mercy of God, we're able to function and to be all that we can be and to give him the glory that is indeed due his name. God bless you this morning. So glad you're here. So glad that we are gathered once again to explore the God's blessed word. This is, wow, what a show. And we are here to uh, read through the book of Proverbs this morning. But more than that, too, well, not more than that, because God's words is an exaltation of who he is. But definitely when we say, wow, what a show, we're talking about the grandeur of the creation that displays the power, the glory, and the love of God every day upheld so that we can still breathe and enjoy the fruit of harvest. Thank you. Good morning, Miss Fresh and Spaces. How are you? Hello. Yes, good morning. Fresh and Spaces, are you there? Oh, yes. This is Anna Kane, who will be our reader this morning. How are you today? Hello. How are you today? I'm good okay. morning. Yes. Can you hear me well? I think that the, we are having a small problem. Hi there. Um, I'm going to invite you again uh, because I can't hear you and I'm not quite sure that you can hear me. Um, can you hear me, Anna? I guess not. Right, yes, I can. Yeah, well, we can't. We can't hear you. Hmm. I am. My microphone is on. I'm not mm -hmm. sure why you can't hear me. Okay. Well, now I can. And so let let's just um, uh, take off a little bit here. Good morning, Tony. Good morning, Light Touch. Yes, I can hear you, Mommy. Yes, thank you, Tony. I can't hear our reader this morning who is on. I mean, I couldn't, I can now. Um, is everything all right? We just wanna check in and make sure that everyone is in a good place with the Lord and uh, ready, willing, and able to dive into his word. Anna, you can read now. We're in chapter nine of the book of Proverbs. Well, good morning, everybody. Sorry about Morning. that. I, I could hear just fine. I can't always tell if you can hear me, but I am here. I'm glad to be here this morning. So let me just say a prayer and then we'll get started with Proverbs chapter nine. Okay. Lord, I just thank you that you're the Lord who has liberally given us wisdom Though I know sometimes, Father, we really don't follow the wisdom that you give us. We have a knowing and an understanding sometimes, but we allow our own, uh, either our own pride, our own doubt. We allow so many things, Lord, to distract us from what it is you're saying to us. We follow the way of the world sometimes because it's comfortable and known. And sometimes what you're guiding us to do is unknown. And so I just ask this morning that you forgive us for that, Lord Jesus. There's a wealth, a wealth of instruction and love right in this word. And, and probably many of us listening this morning, if not all of us, have such access to your word. And there's some who have no access. But we do. And so I sort of shudder sometimes to think that we're without excuse. So this morning, 
I just ask that we would not only be listeners and hearers of your word, but we would be doers. And I pray even in advance that you would forgive us, Lord, when we stumble, when we fall into that doubt or we fall into following a way that's more comfortable and known because learning of you is an awesome thing and lots of what you would have us to do is unknown in our personal day-to-day walk. So just, Lord, forgive us. We know that we sin. Your Bible tells us that we do. And we say we don't sin. We lie. But we also know that we can follow after righteousness. We have been empowered by your Holy Spirit, which is the extension, the the comforter, the, the guide you've given us. Christ promised it. And there's nothing Jesus has said that we have not seen fulfilled in our own era. And so I thank you for Proverbs nine this morning that we should follow through with your instruction lord by your spirit we thank you for it in jesus name amen 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 so we're just going to read through proverbs 9 it says wisdom again wisdom hath builded her house she hath hewn out her seven pillars she hath killed her beast she hath mingled her wine She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him return in hither. As for him who wanted understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner gathereth to himself shame. And he that rebuketh a wicked man gathereth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased if thou be wise thou shalt be wise for thyself but if thou scornest thou alone shalt bear it a foolish woman is clamorous she is simple and knoweth nothing for she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways And whoso is simple, let him turn in hither, and that is to wisdom. As for him that wanteth understanding, she, wisdom, saith to him, Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. So at the end of this Mm. chapter, we see if we were following that Solomon's words initially to his own son and all the admonishments to get wisdom and knowledge and understanding and all the, um, the proverb that the statements that Solomon has given us that tell us the consequences, those good life giving consequences of taking hold of wisdom. They start, the, the, the proverbs start to change a bit here. The beginning of chapter nine, and we know the chapters were imposed many years ago. And so sometimes when we read through the scriptures, uh, we'll have a continuation of thoughts that came before or sort of a structure that came before but for reasons that we won't explore this morning there's a chapter break uh sometimes there's just a shift 
in the focus, even if it's on the exact same subject. So we have mm. subheadings, and here we find the beginning of chapter nine brings us into the, the what might one way of putting it, um, uh, discipline, you know, of wisdom. But then we get into the reading of Proverbs in a way that most of us sort of remember this book, a series of admonishments and a series of Proverbs that actually cover a variety of subjects. So it looks like we're coming out of that um, discussion of something in one context and moving into another, but actually most of the time, all of it itself is under the umbrella of our first topic, and that is having an understanding and getting wisdom. And so in the first verses, uh, wisdom sound is a personified, if you noticed in the reading, much of what is said in the beginning of this book is a personification of things that are not tangible and human, but are given that. And one thing that happens is that they become alive to us, something that we can take hold of and respond to in a different way. And so wisdom in the first verse, building her house and it's telling us all that wisdom has done. And I think it'd be worth going back and exploring in some detail what might be referenced here. Um, literally, how might people who have heard this proverb have taken um, the, the first proverbs, killed her beast? Uh, why would wisdom kill her beast? And what's the significance of killing beast and sent forth her maidens? And so we'll hold on to that. But if you notice, these are things... <clears throat> that put us in remembrance of wisdom calling out almost like, um, you know, what has wisdom afforded us and what are we not paying attention to? And so after the first few verses, it says, Hey, look at what wisdom has done. Now turn in hither, come in this way is what it's saying. And although I do read out of the King James uh, it'll behoove me well to go in and sort of simplify if that helps some of our listeners. But come into this uh, way here and I'll read it out of the New American Standard also and see if that helps. It says, whosoever then in verse four is simple or naive, let him turn in here to him who lacks understanding says. Now, here, wisdom is trying to, again, admonish you to do something. Come this way and see. Come eat of the food that I have prepared for you and drink of the wine that I have mixed for you, is what the next two verses are saying. So this is our invitation now to taste and drink of what wisdom has to afford us. Have we tasted of what wisdom has to, oh, have we just seen what's happening? Have we just looked from afar? Do we see um, all that could be ours, yet we still don't take it and digest it in the way that we ought? So then by the time verse six gets here, we're told, listen, forsake your folly and live. Forsake your folly and live. And the other word that's also used for folly is basically just foolishness. Go in the way of understanding. So th these are not differing ideas. They're just, it's just a way to use more vocabulary to help us understand what was originally written in the text. So let's all listen to that. Are we forsaking foolishness, folly? Are we getting understanding? Are we living in light of what we've been admonished to take and drink and eat? Now, I think one way I think I can illustrate, uh, you know, uh, an answer that might be no is to think back into our young years if we dig deep, but I'm going to bring us to adulthood. But if we dig deep, we'll go back to maybe middle school, high school. You go out of your home, go into a school setting 
or just go outside and down the street. And most of the time, you're not living contrary to the way I say our parents would have us live. But there's always, if you move away from your home, there's always opportunity that will arise for mischief or disobedience. It's almost as if you need to stay under the father's hand and mother's hand to live a fully righteous life as you're growing up. But the minute you step away, the world has a way of just, you know, dangling temptation in your your way. So are we, were we wise then? Were we seeking after understanding then? Were we, you know, doing the things that the word is admonish us to do? Were we being foolish? Were we this simple? Were we living? Oh, is the question I have. Uh, have we, did we go in the way of understanding? Well, sometimes we didn't. And I go back to those school years because that's where we can probably recognize um, most of almost just the, the ignorant disobedience or just the, the sort of the waywardness that even the best of the child, children have, laughing at somebody, mocking and scorning, um, not being a help but being a hindrance, not supporting righteousness but falling into accidentally or on purpose, supporting, you know, uh, the wickedness, even in the smallest things that children do. And so we can see that, you know, the Lord is admonishing us and Solomon is admonishing his son literally And these are good admonishments because he knows that there's going to be opportunity for us to reject eating what the Lord would have us. We are going to maybe not forsake our folly. So he's saying to forsake it, turn away from that, proceed in the way that brings understanding. And unfortunately, even though we mature in adulthood, We say, wow, how do I mature from being a child into an adult? And I still can recognize places, whether it's in the workplace, particularly when it's in the home. Sometimes we treat one another uh, with uh, in ways that are we we respond in ways that really are not wise at all. And we'll get to that in a moment, even as adults. And we say, I have if we were honest, if we sort of put us in a category we forsaken folly and then that moment you can sort of figuratively say we have not lived sometimes we fall into the category of being the simple and so again there's so much more we can do to dissect the first four verses but five again invites us to come and drink of the wine which has been mingled for us and then we move into the Proverbs that actually bring wisdom. And again, we may touch on this again one time more because the wonderful thing about Proverbs is that some of the ideas here are repeated as we move along. You can read through and you'll not notice that, that many Proverbs themselves, some of them seem to be repeated again in different words as we move along. But Seven, verse seven tells us if we reprove a scorner, we get shame. And I'm going to say, again, as an adult, we know that if you understand what that means, reproving a scorner, going and trying to sort of with our own hand bring discipline, sort of a, it's a disciplinary, it's a, to, to shame or, or to reprove or to try to guide some of uh, reprove a uh, scorner in the right way does not always get us the result that we're looking for. And here we have a verse. I don't know if we ever quote this often enough in our home, like many of the verses we've quote, but verses like this might save us a lot of trouble. <laughs> Reproving that scorner, rebuking the wicked man, but you get yourself a blot Basically, one says, and I'll read it again. You correct the scoffer, okay? A scoffer gets dishonor for himself. He who reproves the wicked man gets insults for himself. That simplified it. How many of you have ever experienced that moment and said, what's wrong with him? (sighs) Or they just don't hear. Sometimes what the Lord is showing us is that what you're doing is unprofitable though your intent is to profit something. You would like a return here, but sometimes that is not the way to go. 
even if that person is the scoffer and you're doing the reproving as the righteous man, uh, we can put it that way, um, what you're not going to get is a return. But it does say what we will get if the hearer is a wise man. Now, let's say you reprove that wise man and he will love you. Yeah, that's interesting. The unwise doesn't turn around and always say, you're right, I've been wrong. <laughs> but the man who's actually now tasted of the goodness of the Lord, who seeks after righteousness and godliness, the wise man. And, and we, we, we know that some of these scriptures really do speak well to the believer or rather the, the, the in even though it's the old testament the one who after sought, sought sought after god or even the one who at least follows the principles set forth are often the recipients of the good that the bible has to offer so if we remember that in our practical lives let's pray an understanding on how we approach who we call the the wicked the wayward or anybody who's falling out of the way but it does say we and this is how i'm taking it as the saint of god as the believer in god as the one who admonishes that there is a lord i then should be able to receive it and i will love the reprover again using the family many or if not every grown-up i've ever met who remembers something that their parent has admonished them to do. Maybe a harder thing 10 years ago at 18 that's a lot easier at 28. They often respond with a loving heart. I understand what my parent was trying to say to me. They were right. <laughs> or while maybe they didn't do this in the way that I would have preferred what they said, what they did, that was right for me. And so the wise man the mature will get it and they will in turn respond with love and acceptance of the reproof. But again, he says, um, give instruction to the wise man and he'll be wiser still. Now that's something we can all take hold of today. If you don't remember anything, if you deem yourself to be amongst the wise, if instruction is given to you, you have the opportunity to be yet wiser. Give it time. Digest it. Be really contemplative. That's one of the wonders about the book of Proverbs is that you can slow down and take about two hours before you know it. You've communed in God's word uh, because you've contemplated so many of the admonishments we have here. So if, if, again, if, if you can't remember too much else, uh, if instruction comes your way, the wise man will be yet wiser. The righteous man will increase in his learning. And then here is the verse that we do quote. <laughs> uh, maybe you don't, literally, but we, lots of us have heard this many years. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Just that fear of God, that holy, righteous fear of the Lord is the beginning of our getting of wisdom. That is the beginning and for many, I say, particularly, to, and I think now I can't help it because it's in my own personal life, a uh, few people I've known who are not in Christ, but they would say they had a respect for those who did. And I literally just recently got, but I love, you know, love Jesus's teachings. That's a whole nother conversation that to love Christ and his teachings and then basically to reject about 90% of what he says, um, but uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and, and they would say, uh, but God is such a hard God. You know, why do you have to fear him? We're taking things literally in the context in which we understand them as earthly people. And it's so surface, this whole, when he says he is a God you should fear, that is something that is repulsive to them. Um, serving God, they say, is repulsive to him. Um, you know, all these things. So for, for the unbeliever, it may not be clear this morning what you mean by the fear of the Lord. And again, I think that's worth taking some time to dissect, but it's not the type of fear as if he is the God who 
circling you around the room, waiting for you to stumble and fall, and then, you know, lay out a punishment, which is what I basically think is how he's looked at when these verses are read. But that understanding, that, that, that knowledge that the God who has the plan, not you, but who is the ruler and the maker of the universe is awesome. He's a terrible God, not in the way we use terrible, in the way that terrible, you know, means that he is all-consuming in the, the power that is extended and exuded from him. His placement in the world is magnificent and great mm-hmm. in the true sense of the word, great. So having a humbling ourselves and recognizing, you know, it's, it, we can recognize it with people. The fear of the king is understood and nobody really, you know, has a whole lot to say about it. If you reverence anything, you have a sort of type of respectful humbling of yourself before that king. So how much more that to sort of put fear in a newer context even though I personally feel like after I've given the word fear itself, all the robes that make me, you know, hail fear as a good thing, it's still a trembling. It's a, 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 it's a wonderful thing. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, the Bible says. And that is also because he is a judge. Just because you don't like that we have him doesn't mean that they're not needed. He does execute judgment upon the earth. Because we have been the ones falling out of the way, and he is not. And holiness does not cohabitate with wickedness in an amiable fashion like we would like Mm -hmm. to have happen. (laughs) And so there's a a literal sense of a fear, but not because the all-beautiful love of God is not also an inextricable part of us fearing God. And so having that... And that sort of having that conversation about what the fear of the Lord means, I think then we would see that it is the beginning of being the wise man and Mm -hmm. knowledge. Okay. Gaining knowledge of the Holy one is understanding. And I do believe if you wanted to delve into (laughs) some of the meanings of what words mean and who is that Holy one, Holy one, God, somebody might argue here, we're referencing the coming Messiah, you know, but nonetheless, we know, God is God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Having knowledge of the Holy One is now understanding. And then uh, this, the, the proverb tells you, having this, listener, by me your days will be multiplied. Here is a wonderful promise of life. Years extended to you. If you're wise, okay, wise for, and I'll hold that. So here's a promise that comes in. And I know many of us used to say, I used to say, hey, where are the promises of God? People always say they're promises of God. And I can think of one or two things that I think he said definitively, like, you know, it just sounds like a promise. But this might be one place to stop as you, you know, read through the Bible. The Lord has said something, something that he can give to us that then can be interpreted as a promise from him, a word from him. And so we're going to uh, move along a little bit more and then invite Phyllis to come in and chat with us, but I'm going to quickly go through the last verses. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Um, This one I would like to delve into more for myself. Uh, Wise yourself. I'll tell you one thing that comes uh, to me here as I have pondered this several times before, actually. Uh, An illustration might be sometimes when we receive an admonishment to move in a certain way in our own lives. We sometimes think that that is now the way of the world, (laughs) the way the world should move uh, exactly the way I move. Um, One way of receiving this scripture this morning, you know, could be that when you have received wisdom, when you are instructed in a way Sometimes that instruction is to yourself, not necessarily always the detailed instruction for how everyone else might respond or function in our scenarios of life. Um, So again, what it does for me is it personalizes this getting of wisdom. 
when you get wisdom, get with it, understanding the Bible says that's what will happen and that's what we should seek in a few chapters back. So here, if you're getting wisdom, if wisdom is for yourself, if you're wise for yourself, what does that mean? I think one way, and it would behoove us all to delve deeper and to contemplate and actually pray and ask the Holy Spirit to make this, the wording, as clear to you as possible. But I just share with you what I've always gotten, and that it is for myself. The wisdom itself is extended to my scenario and my call to a response in my particular living. If that helps anybody, if you're wise, you're wise for yourself. But I don't also want to stop there. Again, I think sometimes it's worth coming back and having more prayer and study because it then doesn't mean that then you don't use wisdom as it extends itself to your relationships and your decisions outside of yourself, yeah, you know, in the world. But all of that then comes back to yourself. So if it helps you any at all, sometimes that wisdom, and most times, but sometimes it's just not a collective, um, a collective way of handling what God's giving you as response to situations that is an individual one. And then it says, that the Proverbs begin again, to, it seems to sort of cut, break away. And we have a variety of types of Proverbs here, like the next verse. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. I believe that goes back to a proverb he just mentioned earlier um, in terms of how we then respond to, as a reprover to the scoffer, to the, the, the one who is not wise, you alone will bear it. When you scoff, you alone will bear it. And that, I believe, is literally what it means without breaking it down. I, I love the Proverbs because if it forces you to sit down and say, what does that mean? Maybe is, do I need to look at this in light of the way words were used uh, during a time when, you know, I was not there? How am I using these words? What is scoffing? You know, you get your dictionary out. You want to just really break it down so that you're sure you're not just reading over lines that mean nothing to you. <laughs> what does it mean? I'm bearing it alone? Well, again, did we notice at least if this helps at all, did we notice it a few verses up? We're not receiving anything um, when we do things in a certain way. So if we scoff with the, the consequence of that, the reward of that, we just bear alone, which is going to be nothing good. Let me make that clear. You're not going to get a return that's a good return if you stand in the seat of scoffer or let's see if the other verse will help us with that uh, 12 yeah scorning you bear it alone so take a moment to contemplate over what the reward of being a scorner actually is and I get a picture if you don't mind again Lord you know direct us truly and understanding. But I do get a picture of a girl uh, going back to school um, and even grownups now in certain situations who, if I had to describe them, I would say being a scoffer would be one description, scoffers. And I notice really the taste of that is only bitter in the end to the person who participates in it. They, I've seen a, a picture of a person standing there and sort of spewing in their own disgust. <laughs> and, but really, everyone else is dismissed and they're left there. And I think what I how I interpreted it was I see on the face an expression of nothingness. You get nothing back. You get nothing back. Your return is really nothing. You bear it alone. <laughs> Um, and so I'm going to explore that a little bit more, but that might be one aspect, one way we can sort of dissect that. And then in 13 uh, to 18, I think everybody heard that we have wisdom, we have the proverb, we have Solomon warning his son of the lure of a woman who is not set toward 
good living or righteousness. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, it's coming up. So the woman of folly, though, first, excuse me, is boisterous. This woman, she's naive. She'll fall into any old thing. She'll believe anything. Okay. She doesn't know anything. She sits there on the high places of the city. She's calling to those who are coming by, who are making their path straight. This, there is a woman. There's a description of this naive, boisterous woman. And it says, whoever is going to make their path straight, whoever is naive, then let them turn here. Now, this is the woman of temptation. And Solomon's warning his son against her. If you're naive, however, turn in there. To him who lacks understanding, she will say, stolen water is sweet. Come to me. It's going to be all right. It's okay. It's not a big deal. You'll have fun. This is, I mean, it's your life. Well, you know, this is sweet without maybe using those exact words, but there are a lot of words that can be used to, to make allurement. Okay. And the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And even if the words themselves weren't spoken, let's face it, we can imagine that just the images in the world in which we live say these very things, the bread eaten in secret. And notice there's always a secret. But then that's pleasant, something that's not admonished for Solomon's son to follow to an open in the openness. It's always by the wayside somewhere. There's always a secret. <laughs> but he, the one who follows here, does not know that the dead are there. The dead, those who follow that path. And unless you return and back, the dead are there. And this reiterates uh, an idea that came up again a few chapters ago. The allurement of fleshly lust. And so while Solomon may say this to his son, Solomon's mother could have said it to a daughter. <laughs> the same here. Her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Or her guests are in the depths of hell, living in a way of temptation and following through with that and not taking that way of escape. You will then participate in a lascivious life, a life that's driven by the flesh, a life that cannot see. And that's where the dead are. There is no light there. There is darkness. It will perpetuate, you know, habits that lead to despair, depression. We will go down when we follow in the way, whether it be this way, or, and I can think of other types of lust that are from the very beginning meant to destroy, and they dangle their flashy selves in front of us and ask you to have a moment of pleasure. Literally, I'll tell you this, lots of temptation sort of in this category, they really only offer you moments of pleasure. They never tell you what tomorrow will bring. They just turn around and do the same thing. One more moment of pleasure. It's not even long-term offered. We are so naive oftentimes to take the bait for something that really didn't promise much in the first place. It, it told you it would be temporary, <laughs> but it's such a, it's such a draw. And in our naivete, uh, we follow through. If we follow through with other people who, again, stand in their, their own naivete that are also simple. So as we close out with this proverb, we see Solomon making another admonishment to keep his son out of the path of destruction and then to admonish him toward following righteously. And, it, and again, the Conversation stops here. The Proverbs stop, even though they're going to continue on into chapter 10. But uh, we come to a, a closing here with that. One more time, Solomon warns his own son of the allurement and the entrapment of the loose woman. So having mm -hmm. 
very briefly, and again, there are some places here I knew, I said, well, you know, we want to keep for the sake of time within the time we have allotted this morning, but let's highlight a few things that we know we can digest immediately and go back and ponder other things. Uh, let's just remember again, wisdom has builded her house. Come and eat of my bread. She's calling us drink of my wine. You know, it resonates with us because we probably know another verse that says, hey, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hey, this is another tasting and seeing. <laughs> this is another drinking. Um, you know, admonishing us maybe to think about our responses toward those who are out of the way and remembering as those who say we are in the way, if we are, uh, we then can be wiser and we can be receptors of what wisdom has to offer. And then remembering again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, he gives us a promise. And again, Solomon goes right back into then warning his son of the allurement that would not grant him a life filled with wisdom and understanding, but would destroy all that and lead him to a path of destruction. Phyllis? Amen. Well, well, you have again extracted from this chapter the um, very meat from the bones. It is good. Absolutely wisdom again is inviting all of us to heed the, the soundness of God's call. I wanted to read from Isaiah 55, which seems to me to coincide and say again what God is doing um, through every every scripture. You know, the, you read the whole Bible, and uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee always says the thread of redemption is running through it. We are uh, on a singular track that is taking us straight to the cross of Jesus Christ and the ultimate call and acceptance of the sinner through and by that door that he opens for redemption, Jesus himself, so that we can know, hey, who he is and be again in fellowship. Isaiah 55 verse uh, 1 and through, I think, um, of 3. Ho, everyone that thirst, come to the waters, and he that hath no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor is for that which doesn't satisfy? Hearken here diligently unto me and eat all that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of God, of David. That is what God is doing through the whole book. He's saying, mm -hmm. come here, buy everything that you need, mm -hmm. and there is no money to pay. I give freely. You shall have bread and wine and fatness and all the goodness that you desire. And the Proverbs, as Anna has explained to us in chapter 9, once again, I remember you saying in the earlier uh, um, teaching that it is the repetition it's the repetition the repetition that gets it into us right you just have to keep hearing it because we are we are fallen we do not operate in the in the knowledge of God we don't operate in the wisdom of God we have little understanding mm -hmm. and uh the, the, in chapter four of the Proverbs, it says, in all thy getting, you have to, first of all, understand. So, Anna, I am so grateful to you that you take your time and you actually make us focus on the verses of each chapter. Slowly and deliberately, uh, in, in contemplative mode, we hear and we ruminate on these Proverbs. And we hear, even if we don't readily heed, the call of wisdom. 
which is, of course, as we learned in chapter uh, eight, was standing with God when he created the very world we live in. Mm-hmm. From the foundations of time, wisdom has been with God. And everything that we perceive in his creation, including our sinful selves, is out of his wisdom. Mm-hmm. And in his wisdom, he did not rope and tie us to his commandment. He gave us the choice to receive or reject the purity of love. And when we come to that, the fear of the Lord, we also gain understanding and the knowledge of him gives mm-hmm. us wisdom. Mm-hmm. This is his Amen. word. And he uh, gave to Solomon such wisdom, which Solomon really doesn't seem like he lived in a whole bunch of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he did finally come to a thing. When we read Ecclesiastes, we know that Solomon understood. And even though Ecclesiastes, according to my research, was not necessarily written by Solomon, it is written about Solomon's life and the final questions and the final conclusion. What is yeah, it that you know, we ought to do? Mm-hmm. Go on. No, that that reference, and I, I would admonish all of us to go back and read through Isaiah. That was beautiful. That was a beautiful, what we would say, cross-reference, right? Go back and connect these dots between God's Word because, my goodness, when you start to do that, you say, my Lord Jesus, you've been giving a message for centuries, right? You've been giving a message. And so it's really wonderful when you read the Bible to go back and find other places that support and undergird uh, a message in another as part of the Bible. And we're talking years apart yes. here. Isn't that a beautiful thing? If you want to go deeper, you know, start looking at the historical record of how the Bible was put together and what messages were here and then what messages were reiterated and supported and undergirded, you know, there. Uh, it's wonderful by another writer, you know, from another writer. And I think it solidifies mm-hmm. our, our, our sort of our faith in our God, you know, that his word is true and always has stood. His message is sure and was always consistent. It was not broken apart and disjointed like some would have us think. And I was noticing when you mentioned Solomon, it's funny, when I was reading through it, I made a comment about, oh, maybe it's good to understand about, you know, what that means, you know, killing her beast and something to that effect. But I I (laughs) sat here and I go, oh, well, Phyllis just brought it out for me. There is a celebration going on. Why not use that word? You've been invited. And that resonates again with um, (laughs) what Jesus, when he called out, you know, and called in those to come into his feast. And it's not exactly the same, but they, when they did not come, he called in the lame and those, you know, not that we have to categorize them in the same light as been simple, but in other words, those who are the the needy ones came in. Okay. And those who thought they did not need to respond, did not come. So that's a, it's beautiful. And I, I, my one comment was that uh, Solomon doesn't seem to have followed many of his own proverbs in, in many ways because of the, because of the downfalls we know about him. But you know what's mm-hmm. so funny? When I live 365 days out of the year and I have 10 of those days that didn't go so well and they then build a reputation for me, I go, but Lord, the other, the other days, look how many they were. They were more. They were lost. And I wonder if Solomon kept writing as much as he did because he knew how vulnerable we are. Oh, my goodness, Lord, to failure vulnerable to missing the mark in a day you may have a great week and next week you know you may have a you may fall fall out of the way you may believe the lie of somebody and be you know flattered you know in, in your weakness or your need or just your you know awe of something and the other the week before that is not documented but you know what will be documented <laughs> sometimes it's the, the week where we found ourselves most vulnerable so I, I, we don't know the, the writers and we have a lot God has given us about them. And I think we rightly come to many conclusions because we're human beings. But I sometimes say, God, if I wrote this, you know, I'd like to think that, um, you know, I, I, I wrote as extensively because I understood my own vulnerability towards sin. 
but and we don't know right phyllis how much of this he mm-hmm. lived even though we know a lot of it didn't seem like he did so well right but we know a lot of it he must have had the understanding obviously because god gave it to him um yeah. oh it, on the same token it could be likened unto the woman or man who has a gifting and a talent now and we say oh with that gifting and that talent I know someone I can think of who could expound upon the word in a way that I thought was as good as anybody I'd heard who was mature. (laughs) And this was a young person, but will fall out of the way. And you ask yourself, was all that rejected? Did you literally bury all that God allowed you to be able to do and expounding on his word? And so, yeah, Solomon then becomes just a representative of even us. God gave him a magnificent gift, used it for our benefit but then he himself fall prey in many ways, being the man with the mm-hmm. most wisdom. So it's a very sobering thing too, even to look at the writer and to look at what they're doing and then remember what God still uses. And uh, it's, it's, it's an awesome thing, right? To study his work. <laughs> it, it is really and truly. And if we're honest in the word, then we will recognize ourselves to be who we really are and allow God's word to heal, to actually deliver and rectify. And he is raising us up to come into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Amen. I love that word stature. It's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. It is. You know, you you get a sense of, yeah. (laughs) Indeed. That's right. You get a a picture of something really robust and well-formed and erect and strong, right? And that's what Jesus is. Darlings, let me tell you, we have dined at a well-set table with a meal that has been prepared just for us this morning. And the taste of it is delectable. There is nothing like God's word. And there is no life like that which is immersed in him. And I I also wanted to acknowledge uh, verse 12 again. If you be wise, you will be wise for yourself. In other words, if you will be wise, All the benefits of wisdom are yours, yours, yours alone. It's for you. But if you are a scorner, you alone will bear it. Now, it's a contrast, and yet it is also a juxtaposition. On the one hand, wisdom is going to give you great things, the delect. Remember, come by without money, without price, you'll enjoy the peace Mm -hmm. of God. You'll enjoy Mm -hmm. the provisions of God. You'll enjoy the knowledge of God. You will enjoy the fellowship of the Lord. You will have deliverance from sins. You will indeed be wise for yourself, right? You'll have discernment and be able to choose better and move closer and closer to the maturity that gives the fullness of the abundant life. And you will also reap eternity with God. If you, though, have to bear shame, nobody comes to your rescue. You're out there by yourself. And whatever the consequences of the things that you have done in the scoffer's seat, you will have to bear it. You will have to live it. You'll have to go through it. And I'm, I dare say that all of us have not had to bore, bear something that was not pleasant. And if you're like me, you did bear it alone. <laughs> because when God convicts your heart, you go into a quiet place. Mm-hmm. And you repent and you talk to the Lord until he Actually, we don't bear it alone when you know Christ because he's right beside you. Take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus Christ telling us this, which means if we yoke with him, he's pulling the burden. Oh, yeah, we have to acknowledge. We have to go through. We have to we have to know it. Right. But he's helping us along. However, you don't know Christ. You're out there by yourself. But we invite you to come in and be a part of this fellowship 
that we now know together through God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to actually also entreat you and hear him and come and be a part of this wonderful gift of salvation and love and hope and, you know, forgiveness and deliverance and, you know, burden bearing with you this, this life that is so good. Anna Cain, what can I say to you except God has gifted you to teach? And I am so very grateful that you've been joined with us this day. For all of you who have joined us in the live studio, you don't know what you mean to us. Now, you know you're free to give every comment that you want. And Tony usually is sharing with us. He does such a good job with what God has given him. See, we're not the end-all, be-alls on this end. We're just here to do the job that the Lord has beckoned us to do. You join with us and you make it richer, better, fuller. And we know each other after the spirit. And those who don't know and understand this language, we want it also to, to uh, include you in a way that you can understand. So we are very pleased that you did come today. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I've welcomed everyone. PBG604A3DW99C. I know that this was assigned to you by the system. Uh, so when you have when you have a um you know an assigned uh, kind of profile name, if you would give us a nickname by which we could call you that is a, a little a shorter than that. I can't pronounce that, of course. I could call you the number 8597. That would be fun. <laughs> but anyway, you can make comments. You can ask questions. Just, in, just join. Join. Be a part of. We totally welcome that. And uh, because we now have been an hour at the uh, table, and you know, if you if you come to dinner with me, we can sit at the table for a couple of hours. That's how my dining table used to go uh, with guests and friends. We would have the meal, and then we continue to sit and chat and laugh and talk. And that is how we like to do it here. Thank you, every one of you who gives us mm -hmm. a like. I, I um, you know, it's an engagement score pretty much. Uh, thank you very much for that. And if ever you want to give a pod point, like I'm out on the other side, I don't see what you see, but I know the pod points are translated penny for penny. And uh, when I get those pennies, <laughs> I I match every penny by with 99 cents and I give uh, those pennies to my guest. God bless you so much for coming. Tony, I love you. The, the Lord has done some great things for people we've not even put our eyes on. Uh, Tony is a guest and, and he shared his to uh, testimony with us. He will be uh, hopefully soon in interview so that you can hear his story at our webpage. We'll do it live and then we'll upload it, of course. God is good all day, every day. And we thank him so much for the Proverbs. Um, if anyone has uh, something to share or say, we're more than willing to hear it at this time, uh, just as we are preparing to go out and ask the Lord to bless you all. I'll give you two seconds to tell me you have something to say. I did get an invitation from PBGG um, to come into the studio, I and I didn't catch it in time, but I would love it if you would you know, come again. If you send that request again, I would definitely catch it. I'm looking for it. And then you can say what you want to say. Thank you, Light Touch. Great show. Blessings of our Lord surround you all today and always. They thank you, Anna Kane, for your continued uh, uh, sharing with us. We enjoy your time with us so much. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, we had a pop in, just wanted to pop in. We appreciate all that. Okay, now I'm reading my own stuff now. Sounds like she is preparing a table to dine with those who turn in there. That's wisdom. And she is. You're right. Light touch, you're so perceptive. Wisdom prepares a table. And that table is this table that we've set uh, around today, together in fellowship around God's word. And that table, the fruit and the fruits thereof, inspire and lead us to a uh, life that is filled with the blessings and love of God. We love you so much. And uh, what I want to say, too. OK, I'm sorry. I think, Tony, 
it, it's always a pleasure and a blessing to be here. And you know I look forward to you coming. And uh, Tony, you so faithful. I thank you so very much for that. And Light Touch and all of those who, co who come more than once and come and come again. It's a wonderful thing. God is, is uh, acquainting us with his, his family, our family across the world. And I am so grateful. May he be praised forever and ever. And I, like I said, I hope the music makes you finish the celebration. Like Wisdom said, I've killed the beast. I'm ready. We've, we've killed the fatted calf, as it were, with the prodigal. We're going to have a party because my son has come. And remember, this is God's word, inspired word of God. And though Solomon writes to the son, we could replace every son with the, the uh, masculine, the feminine, every negative against the female with the masculine and the son, we could put the daughter in that place because the word is for all of us, right? And uh, when you begin to read like a foolish woman is clamorous, she is, I love these descriptions he give us. You just put, put, put a foolish man right there and see if it doesn't work for the man some people you've known who are masculine, right, in your life. And so women don't don't be um, discouraged by the fact that he's doing that. Solomon had, woo, 700 concubine and 300 wives. So, you know, he was an observer of women. <laughs> and he did a wrong thing, by the way. So uh, he's writing to warn his son of those things that were uh, troublesome for himself. But we know that men men come the same. Anyway, that's just a final little, little up note there. And, um, oh, Sharice, Jay writes, many blessings as you continue to touch lives through the world. God bless you. I'm excited that this, if it's the Sharice Jay I know, I'm so thankful that you're here. And Sharice will join us as reader uh, very soon. So every one of you do come again. And here we go. Celebration time. It's time to move. Now, you know what happens here? When I change the music, it, the, 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 the previous music has to play out. And that distresses me. I don't understand why it has to be that way because we're ready to celebrate. It shall come. May the Lord our God give you many blessings in this day. May he also cause us by the Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to contemplate these words. God, I ask that you would bless everyone who has come into this studio, even if they didn't stay. Lord God, uh, what Francis Schaeffer writes, you're the hound dog of heaven. I ask you to chase them down. Oh, God, chase them down the back alleys, Lord God, and the markets, the streets in the main marketplace. Chase them, Lord God, in the corners where they might hide. Chase them, Father, in the recesses of their minds and hearts and give them peace. Call them, Lord God, as wisdom is telling us you are calling to us. God, call them, call them and open their ears that they hear and bless those of us who have heard. Bring us nearer, closer to thee, Father, and cause us to fellowship with you and be healed ourselves in the name of Jesus. And there it is, celebration time. We thank you, Lord God, and we give you praise as we go this day. We are delighted in your word. Hallelujah. Catch you next time, guys. Have a wonderful day. And remember, we are back this evening at 8.30, right? Yeah. Tomorrow, Sunday at 2 o'clock. And then Monday, Tuesday, 9 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. as per usual. Wednesday, 6 at 9 and 6. And Pastor Thomas at 8, really and truly. I give you, Pastor, I would say take Pastor Thomas on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock. And then um, the rest of the week, just as, as our schedule has been given. You are a blessing. And I pray that you are blessed all day, every day. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the breaking of your delicious and soul-filling word. Light touch is so good at it. Thank you.